I'm Oliver Bruce, dyslexic and dyspraxic serial entrepreneur with little more than one GCSE, but none of that matters. And that is exactly why I started this podcast. I've built multi-million pound businesses from just an idea, and I've gone into markets that I've got no right to be in. It's not always plain sailing, and what you see on social media is often a fraction of the reality. I somehow wanted to tell the candid truth, the story around startup and scale-up life, and just how important mental agility and strength is in this largely idealistic and fake world. I hope you enjoy my podcast and can take some solace and some learnings from the unspoken reality and subjectivity of the term success. This is Successes in the Mind, and thank you so much for watching. How did you change that business so much over such a short period of time to take it from what Ben did through to the billion quid it is now? Welcome to another episode of Success is in the Mind, our award-winning podcast, where I speak to owners, entrepreneurs, and notable individuals who have overcome barriers, mentally and physically, to become the successes that they are today. Are you just simply chucking everything at it? Because I think people say, oh, we're completely transparent, and that's absolute bollocks. At the moment, everyone's a CEO. They start a brand up, and I'm the CEO. My mom took me, was going to have me in an orphanage, and I was born, and then decided she couldn't give me away. Wow. 1959, that was quite a big thing for my mom to do. Are you fully comfortable sitting in a board meeting and going, I don't understand. I learned a lot at Gymshark about yeah. just looking for the right things and asking the right questions. And what are they? They'd got a business that looked like it could take off, but didn't know what to do next. Find something weird and keep saying it, you will get an advert come through. You will. If you just play this podcast loud enough, you get a load of hair or adverts come through. <laughs> <laughs> I'd been a supporter of Birmingham City for a long time. Quite funny because we'd not been in the Premiership for 16 years. I was there six months and we went up. This is Success is in the Mind, and I am Oliver Bruce. So, Paul, thanks so much for coming on the show. No, thanks for asking me. So, I want to go back a little bit in terms of your career, because you've, you've done great things over the last couple of years, but where you started before you joined your parents' business, what were you like as a kid? Always crazy for, for money and doing jobs. Were you focused on the cash? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I sort of um, stopped playing football so right. I could work for my dad on a Saturday. Wow. Okay. So it was always about, in essence, it was the money in those days because yeah. that was the, you know, it was your currency to buy some clothes yeah, or yeah. whatever you needed to buy. So what did what did your dad do back then? Um, <laughs> so my dad was, um, I don't know what we might call him. I'll say a bit of a rascal. He's probably an understatement. <laughs> Wheel uh, dealer. He was. Yeah. He was. He was. Um, he went to prison in, in, in four times. Oh, he did it properly. Yeah. Over the years, but okay. all sort of petty stuff. Right. But he was always trying to, you know, be a bit of a Dell boy type scenario. So nothing serious, but just that sort of what, thing. What is he, so what did he do? Did you learn from kind of how he sold things? He was a market trader oh, okay. originally. Um, and if you flip the story back a little bit, um, sort of my dad was, as a market trader, good looking mm -hmm. uh, guy. And, uh, and you're supposed to say, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. And okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he met my mom. Yeah. And, um, you know, they sort of got together. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a few months later, obviously she's she was she was pregnant. Right. But my dad legged it then, being what no. it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he sort of legged it, and um, my mom took me. Uh, was going to have me in an orphanage. Right. And um, got me there, and I was born, and mm -hmm. then decided she couldn't give me away. 
Wow. So it sort of started from there. He's the, the way he was, yeah. you know, in, in terms of a bit of a rascal. Um, he eventually came back and eventually settled down. But, yeah. in, you know, in 1959, that was quite a big thing for my mom to do. But how did that, in hindsight, make you feel? Because you must have learned that as you got older. You didn't know that initially. When you found out you essentially nearly went to an orphanage, then you got taken back and your dad was still kind of a bit of a wheeler dealer. Um I, w I was just grateful. I mean, right. you know, um, we had a great life. We travelled around a lot. Um, their first, um, also their first house yeah. was a caravan, a two-birth caravan that my mum never knew about, where <laughs> it came from, hooked up to the back of a van right. that was on a pub car park. Seriously? So that was their, the first place they lived apart from my mum's parents. And so that was essentially your family home? Yeah, yeah. Wow. And it was somewhere in Cannock, I think, somewhere. Really? And then, so it went from living in a caravan through to first house was bought through, what means was that through? So they, he, and selling? He, again, he, he did the wheeler dealing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got himself in trouble a few times. And eventually, you know, and my mum sort of said to him, you know, you do it again. Yeah. And I'm not waiting around. Because <laughs> <laughs> he'd waited four times, you know, bless yeah. him. Um, then... He, I think he got a, a, a grocery store, I think, at some point. Right. How did he get that then, from nothing? How did I he... don't know. He was a blagger. Right, okay. You know, he would just blag things and manage to, you know, sort of the gift of the gab and yeah. talk things and, and got, got going. Um, and then he eventually got um, like a coffee house, like a cafe, yeah. you know, you're baking an eggs yeah, and yeah, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. And um, that's where they sort of started. And he started to go on a little bit of the straight and narrow. Right, okay. You know, and that's where it originally came. So that's where I would work on a Saturday, sort of making toast and doing all that right. sort of thing. So how did you not go off the off the rails slightly? Because so many kids who have parents that do things rightly or wrongly kind of mirror what they do, I suppose, whether that's sort of, you know, un unconsciously or consciously. How did you not go into the world of, you know? I think, I think what I saw was that he wasn't a bad man. Right. He was, um, and my mum would have told me this because I've discussed it with her. Sure. He would always put food on the table. Um, he liked a cigarette and he liked to drink. Right. But it was in that order. It was food on the table. As long as he had some cigarettes, then, and if he'd got any more left, he'd have a drink. Yes. But he always put food on the table. So he's actually a good man. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, from that point of view. So I saw someone who um, I believed did what he did to survive. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately got caught because he wasn't that good at it. Yeah. But um, what that... I think that taught him and then taught me was um, being able to manoeuvre mm -hmm. and think outside the box and, you know, just work things out. There's always a different way to try and do something. Yeah. Although, you know, you shouldn't be breaking the law and I'm not, you know, saying you should. No, 100%. And, and interestingly, I suppose family is quite important to you now with Hera. You know, you've got your daughters that are working in the business, for instance. Obviously, you got that from your dad who cared massively uh, about you. But one of your first main jobs was actually working for his his waste business, essentially. You, you yep. pumped out of school, went in to work for him full time, and you kind of grew it with him from that point. Talk to me about that journey. Um, he was, again, um, a businessman on the back of a fag packet. You know, he, he knew how to work hard and get things yeah. done. But he, he what he didn't have was the view for the future and mm -hmm. how it looked so you know we'd have many rows where we we had a, i think we had something like six vehicles six trucks skip right. trucks at the time he'd gone into skip trucks then and skips right. and things and they're always breaking down i was one of the mechanics yeah, i yeah. worked day and night i think the most i've done is uh four days and three nights wow. straight okay. um <laughs> you know and um it was always like that and it was really hard work very very hard work mm -hmm. and I was trying to persuade him, um, I think I was about 19 at that point, right. you know, I'd been in the business a while, that we should buy some new trucks mm -hmm. and they'd be more reliable and et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But he didn't like debt. So right. it, you know, okay. it had to be cash and he wanted to pay for it. It had it to be outright. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
And so uh, I think at 19, uh, 19, 19 and a half, I left. Mm -hmm. I said, I'd have enough. And I came out of the business. And sort of almost every day for about 12 or 18 months, mm -hmm. I went to work at L uh, Lucas as a factory. Right, okay. So I did a factory life for a while, just about an easy life. was that, life. sort of picking and packing sort of thing? It was uh, in fuel injection. Right, okay. Yeah, okay. Do, uh, in wow. fuel injection. So it was just, it was a factory, literally yeah. a factory. But it, to me, it was, I've got to get out of all the hassle. I want to see what it's like to have a normal life. Mm -hmm. um, I did that. Mm -hmm. And then at some point I went, right, okay. He said, I want you to come back. And mm -hmm. he kept saying to me, and I'll only come back if we do this, this, and this. And that was, we buy two new trucks. Right. We invest in this, we do that. Yeah. And he did it. Because that's kind of the story of your life to a certain extent. Not change management maybe, but arguably coming up with a, a, a plan which actually is more sustainable for the long term than the person that initially founded the business might have thought. Yeah, I mean, that was probably the, the very first yeah. one I did where it was, if we change things, and this is what I see is, you know, we've got six trucks, mm -hmm. we'll cut them down to three, but two of them will be new. They won't break down. We can do the same. We've yeah. only got three drivers, so it's yeah. less cost, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, that, that, I think that was the very first thing, but it was a battle for, of, of wits for a long time. Before we get back to the podcast, I wanted to ask you, are you a high-growth startup or an ambitious entrepreneur? Our headline sponsors, Capsule Cover, are the perfect insurance specialists if you are geared for high growth. Here at Pinpoint Media, we use Capsule Cover for all our insurance. So if you're an ambitious, high-growth startup, why not reach out to them via CapsuleCover.com? Coming up in this episode... been a supporter of Birmingham City for a long time knew the commercial guys there really well and it was a point when David Sullivan was having a little bit of I'll say trouble but you know that the, the fans didn't understand him and didn't particularly like the board at that time and they were in the championship as as as, as is now quite funny because we'd not been in the premiership for 16 years I was there six months and we went up that is all to come in this episode of successes in the mind do you think then in that case Paul that you can you can learn to be an entrepreneur because you've kind of gone through, your dad was a wheeler dealer, fine. You bought, you sold, you left school, you joined the business, you left to go and work for somebody. But you always came back to that lifestyle of, of, of entrepreneurialism. Can you learn that or were you born with I, it? I think, so. I, I reckon it's a little bit of both. Right. I reckon you, you're born with um, a sort of will to succeed mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe it's competition, you want to be the best at playing football or whatever it might be. So, you know, you've got that competitiveness inside you. Mm -hmm. um, resilience, I think, is really, really important. Yeah. You've got that resilience of, you know, getting knocked down and getting back up again. Um, and then it's 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 harnessing and, yeah. I think, learning as you go along because that's massive, mm -hmm. you know. But I don't think you know everything day one. And most of the stuff you learn by your mistakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think now, you know, there's, far, there's videos, YouTube, yeah. books, we're on a podcast yeah, now exactly. for people to try and learn things. And that that's fantastic because before, yeah. at my age, you didn't have that. You had the TV. Yeah. I think there was four channels. <laughs> Maybe a Was it all in black and white? Was oh, probably, yeah. <laughs> uh, riding on horses and carts and things. Exactly. <laughs> um, but you didn't have the sort of, you know, the, yeah. the ability to learn like you have now. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know whether that's actually a really good thing or not, whether there's sometimes too much well, do, to do, take I was going to say, do you think people get complacent and naive that actually... They just assume they know it all now because oh. it's just constantly out there. At the moment, everyone's a CEO. Yeah. yeah. They start a brand up and I'm the CEO. Well, isn't there, there's the hashtag and, on TikTok, isn't there? The CEO it, of X, Y, and Z, whatever it is on TikTok. But. Yeah, it, and that's it. And I yeah. think 
you've got to earn that because you know I, it's what I see of a CEO is someone who's you know visionary and mm -hmm. looking far in, into the future. Mm -hmm. The managing director is the guy that does it every day, but yeah. it's a little bit old fashioned, I suppose. Now, yeah, but that's what we all in, uh, aspired to be when I was young. I want to be the MD. That's yeah. the thing to be. And all of a sudden now, you know, they start a brand up, and I'm the CEO. That's I'm like. You know, you're selling three, you know, selling three things a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, but that's, that's just the way it is. Do you think it's it, it's sort of almost cultural as well? Because in the US, CEO is essentially what an MD is, really. I mean, you've got VPs, presidents, X, yeah. Y, and Z. But depending on where you are in the world depends, I suppose, on, on the title. Does I, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, with no waste, I was, you know, vice president of this and president of that. And it, yeah. it was all a little bit different. But I think it's conceptually it's the same thing, you know. If you start something up, you're in the nitty gritty every yeah. day, you know. Yeah, I, I, I can't see that you're actually the CEO by then. But at what point do you remove yourself then, Paul, from the business? Because you have CEOs that are constantly in the business, running yeah. it from a day to day point of view. And then, you know, now, for instance, with you with Hera, you have that kind of almost objective view where you do step back slightly and you let it run and you you, you touch base occasionally. So many people that start up find it difficult to let go. How how did you learn to do that? Um, that came at an early age because I realised you couldn't expand without doing it, without mm -hmm. trusting people. Um, and as a, for instance, when I went into waste and I wanted to expand, um, I needed different depots to cover right. different areas and therefore I had to have a manager for that depot. So I would give that to someone I trusted. You know, it wasn't today where, you know, it was a massive interview process. It was probably yeah. one of my best drivers or my foreman or yeah. someone I could trust from that point of view. Um, but I realised early doors that you can't expand otherwise unless you've got people to do it. Now, you know, there are different ways of doing that. And, and generally, you know, in businesses, it's hiring people who are better than you at certain things. Mm -hmm. um, but just in that case there, that wasn't the case. It was I needed coverage mm -hmm. and I needed to trust them. And trust is a big thing for me. And in terms of that kind of, uh, I suppose, the management process, the scaling process, you, you joined your dad's business, you sold it, but the sale didn't kind of go as well as I suppose you'd have hoped really at the point that you sold it to the US. Yeah, uh, sold it to the second largest company in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, they were called BFI at the time, American. Mm -hmm. Sold me the American dream. <laughs> you'll be doing this, you'll be doing that. We'll just leave you to do what you want. Yes. You know, took me to the States, showed me these guys who were running their own businesses in the States, but they'd been bought out. Mm -hmm. So they were sitting on money and they're running their own business and they're getting freedom. Um, what I didn't know was when they were, coming across the sea to do it with mm. us is they weren't going to trust us to do it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, um, it didn't go as well as expected, but, and in fact, it did for the long term because okay. what it did was they had a huge accounting um, software uh, stats package, mm -hmm. which I absorbed. Then I restructured it and used it on my next company. Absorbed from a knowledge point. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Started, and re, got it reprogrammed and did everything. So that when I started my mm. next company up, which was I sold in 89, started in 92, I had a whole operating system ready yeah. to go, which I never had when I sold the first one. So, I mean, the first one, did you actually, did it make any sense financially for you guys? Did you make any money? Was the earnout completely defunct? Did it just not? No, it, it was, the fact that it didn't work for me was the worst thing because it right. worked for my dad. My dad sort of retired at that point. Okay. Well, that's he, awesome. he only survived one year after that. He died. Oh, no. uh, a year afterwards. Oh, I'm sorry. So, but he wasn't. Was that because you think he just switched off and there was no. No, he smoked to... 100 cigarettes no, a day. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sponsored by Marlborough. Yeah. yeah, it literally was, you know, and, and that was that was it. So he just basically, his veins just closed up. Okay, that's um, a good excuse. But he had, you know, he had a year of it. And, yeah, yeah. you know, we'd, we'd, we'd done something that he was probably really proud of. 100%. You know, he never probably 
thought he could ever do that. You know, I think, you know, in them days back in 89, mm -hmm. we, we turned over 2.2 million and we sold it for 2.2 million, which in them days was a huge well, today's amount. Today's money, that would be, that's a good return. It's, it's, it, you know, it's good. Yeah, it was great for us. And, it, you know, again, I treat everything as a journey. So it wasn't, mm -hmm. you know, it didn't quite work out as I wanted, but mm -hmm. it did for him. He was secure. My mom was yeah. secure money-wise yeah. uh, for the rest of her life, in a sense. And then I'd got to be able, I'd got money then to be able to move on, uh, bought a house, and then I'd got money to start the next business three years later. So you, you reinvested, but in terms of when you essentially became a millionaire in 89, which is what so many people want to do when they start a business, how did that change you as a person? Did you wake up the next day and go... Right, okay, I'm sorted, or did you go um, hedge it all? It's a bit of an anticlimax, yeah. to be fair. Um, and I, I've heard that a lot, but it's actually it's actually true. Is once you've done something, can you reach a peak of some mm -hmm. description? You've got to be really careful because you sort of come off the cliff afterwards. And yeah, yeah it's like, okay, now so what? Yeah. Um, what does it change in me? I had a decent lifestyle anyway. It probably meant I could pay my mortgage off at that point or whatever I'd got. Um, but it didn't dramatically mm -hmm. change me. Um, but it was the anticlimax was, okay, I'm 29. Yeah. So what? Yeah. You know, and, and it, you know, I think it, it wasn't enough to be the be all and end all. Even though you were driven by money in the early days when you were a kid, when you had money, you at that point didn't care about it. Um, I think care about it from, you know, uh, securing your family. Yeah. I'm very big into family, as we said earlier, yeah. and, and securing things and making sure everything's safe. So I'm very protective sure. by nature. Um, but it, it it doesn't it's not always the money because mm -hmm. you know, sometimes the returns that you get for the amount of work you've put in over time just don't don't match up. No. Uh, and then other times they do. You know, so you, I don't think you can always do it for the money. Mm -hmm. You have to do it for whatever's there at the time, whatever that's whatever's driving you. So, I mean, what was the next step then in, in Paul's life once you sold the business three years later? What did you what did you do at that point? I started again a waste business because you so wanted to so. focus on keeping. Yeah, busy. what what I saw was I just saw that the company that bought me yeah. weren't doing what they they said they were going to do. There was a, still a massive market, and I could capitalize on it. So then I, I started again with a company called City Waste. Yep, uh, and took that. Grew that well, though. Uh, yes, that was the one where I had all the managers and yeah. different depots. Yeah. And, you know, that went really, really well. Yeah. And, and and that was a business that you scaled to? That was around 11 million turnover. So 11 million. And um, then you exited five from depots, that? Exited from that in 2000. So that was the start of really that investment journey where you could take the cash, hedge a lot more, and yeah, invest it, in advice. I, I'd got a bit fed up with having one company at that mm -hmm. point and thought I could do better, thought I could do different things. <laughs> and and um, how did that go in terms of diversifying your focus? Yeah, was that not, a good move? not as well. <laughs> you know, it, it was harder than I thought, yes. uh, to be fair, and uh, I probably wasn't you know ready for that mm -hmm. um, as well as I thought I was. And I was, I'd had a really good company and it was yeah. set and I knew what I was doing. Um, but you know, it was the right time to do it. What, what, what made you sell it though? Why did you sell it? Because it, um, if it was going well, what's the point? At that point, I was, I'd got one company and I sure. was, I was a little bit fed up with, I think I can do more. Yeah. And, um, it's not gonna work. The, the offer at the time was very, very good in at a time when, you know, the market was a little bit depressed. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't, I didn't want to stay with that one. The right. idea for that one was I'd move on completely and I would go and do this sort of dream of a, 
group of companies and, oh, and okay. do various things. You had the group dream as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. that was yeah. what it was. Yeah. Did you have a family at the point at, at that time, or was it very much just you? Yeah, I had. I just I got married in two thousand eighty nine. Okay. Yeah, I was married to two children at that time. Okay, yeah. fine. So you and you didn't plug them into the business at all. It was just you running it at that point. You didn't have. Yeah, family it was just myself. Work. I suppose yeah. they were too yeah. young at that point. Too but, young. Yeah. But in terms of when you went away and wanted to focus on that group, how did you? A, do that, and B, when did you realise it wasn't going to work? When did you realise that a group is not the right um, Probably a couple of years in. Okay, so you had yeah, a good I had a good go. We're doing, you know, we, we took a company that we bought a company that was uh, a chemical waste company. Yeah. Um, I bought a company that was uh, taking petrol station four courts apart and all the tanks out, which is quite complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, I'd, I'd got into a few things that I didn't know enough about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't invested as well as I thought I would be. And was that because you were naive enough to think that you knew it all because you'd, you'd built a few businesses yeah. made a bit of cash yeah. golden touch where you exactly. think you can just touch it again and it'll just go and i thought it was easier than it was and i'd always been sort of very intensely invested in, mm-hmm. in my businesses and i was trying to do more of a loose touch and it wasn't quite working mm-hmm. um but you know it was, it was okay went okay in the end but it wasn't what i wanted yeah yeah you know in terms of i suppose going back to the the waste management and the fuel etc they say that there's money in muck you know what a lot of people don't go into that world because they think it is just too gritty, too hardcore, just not interesting enough. What actually motivates you within that world to, to get up in the morning? Because it isn't the most glamorous thing in the world. No, it's definitely not glamorous. And it's really <laughs> tough. Um, you know, some of the things you see on, on TV and documentaries are, are true, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's a case of, um, you know, you have to stand up for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, you'll get bullied. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be tough. The margins are really, really tight. Mm-hmm. It's capital intensive. Um, so it's built on really, really hard work. Mm-hmm. But again, for me, it was also about bringing innovation towards it. Yeah. Because it's a very, everyone does the same thing every day. Yeah. So as a, for instance, at the time, um, you know, building sites only ever had the normal builder skip. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Tarmac, for instance, a very big company at the time, they're, they're not around now. You know, they'll just have loads of skips on a site mm-hmm. and it would all just mm-hmm. be dumped in. And we sort of realized that recycling and everything was coming on board. So yeah. we just transformed it and put loads of different type of containers in. That was the first time on any building site in the country really? that different types of containers had been put on so that the builders themselves yeah. had to sort them out into the, the wood and the, the, the cardboard and the, yeah. the, you know, the, the bricks and stuff like that. And that sort of transformed it. And it, that's the way it's run today. Because, I mean, your life then did become more glamorous even though it was wheeler dealer it was you know selling uh, skips and building materials and working on site for instance you then worked it or worked became chairman of birmingham city football club yeah um yeah i was non-exec there so um that was a really interesting story so um i'd been a supporter of birmingham city for a long time mm-hmm. and i'd, I'd had a, a relationship with them commercially so i knew the guys there so it was yeah. a guy called simon and um knew the commercial guys there really well and it was a point when david sullivan was having a little bit of um sort of not say trouble but you know that the, the fans didn't understand him and didn't mm-hmm. particularly like the board at that time right and they were in the championship as as as, as is now and um they called he wanted to sell the club Mm-hmm. And at the time, he wanted twenty million pound for it, and you know, no, no one, there's no takers. So he asked Simon and said, "Well, is there anyone who's got like one million pound mm-hmm. and um, is willing to have five percent?" So Simon oh, came to me and okay. asked me, and I said, "Well, not really. You know, it's five percent. It's a million pounds. It's not mm-hmm. really what I want to do." And um, anyway, uh, Karen 
um, asked to see me. Mm-hmm. So I went to meet Karen Brady, which I'd, I'd always wanted to meet anyway. I'd never she was in met before her. you. Yeah, she was point. there. There was David Sullivan, okay. David Gold and Karen. Right. Um, you know, Karen's story is incredible. You know, it's a fascinating yeah. story. I mean, a podcast with Stephen Bart that recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've heard that Wonderful. One. Yeah. Um, so met Karen and we got on really, really well. Mm-hmm. And in the end, um, asked me to make an offer mm-hmm. rather than it was a fixed deal. So we ended up, I made an offer and um, she asked me to go on the PLC board okay, rather fine. than the football club board. So I was part of their PLC as their non-exec uh, for about two or three years. Mm-hmm. And um, I think about three years. But quite funny because we'd not been in the premiership for 16 years. I was there six months and we went up. <laughs> so they called me Lucky Paul life. at the time. So, <laughs> that's so what, what it was. I mean, what was. What was the offer then that you you, you put on the table for them? It, it was a smaller amount of money. Right. Um, but it, it was it was my, you know, my time. Fine. So, you know, I wasn't willing to uh, put the investment in, mm-hmm. um, you know, because a, a small amount like that was not not what I wanted to do. No. Um, so I think it was that we got on. They wanted someone locally that could help them with yeah. the local businessmen, the local community, and know people and get some trust, yeah. which we did. You know, we started to pull some sponsorship in. It made it easy. Then we went to prem yeah. premiership. You know yeah. that was a much easier job to do. Yeah. But it was it was still you know gaining the trust of the locals to say you know these guys are okay. David yeah, yeah. Sullivan's a great businessman. Well, I mean, I was going to say, do you think it's with businesses or organisations like that, for instance, football? They're more focused on the vanity, i.e., kind of the brand, the football, the sport, than actually the sponsorship and the revenue that sometimes would allow them to maybe not focus as heavily on what you did, which was make them fundamentally more money. Yeah, I mean, football clubs are really hard work. Yeah. I mean, financially, if you're looking, you'd run away. Yeah. Um, so unless you're a super fan and you're, you know, um, super rich, mm-hmm. they're very difficult to, to want to be You're not going to make an offer for Chelsea, then, are you? you no, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're very difficult from that point of yeah. view as a business person to think, I, I, I could be just throwing money away. So, you know, if you're going to get involved in it, you've got to yeah. get involved for the right reasons. Um you know, David Sullivan, David Gold and Karen's uh, uh, sort of uh, morals mm-hmm. and their reasons were good. Mm-hmm. So I saw that, that it wasn't just for the sake of it. They had good intentions. If they would loan the club money to buy a player, yeah. they would just want it back. And that's reasonable. Without you know. a return on it. Yeah, not you know, yeah. a reasonable return. It was nothing. So, you know, everything was done above board. Mm-hmm. It was just that I just don't think, though, you know, the football fans are quite, it's quite difficult because they yeah. want, all the time and it's trying to please everyone all yeah. the time um, and you get to realise you can't so you've got to do your best and have the right intentions I yeah. think today I think it's about engaging with them more I don't think that in those days they were engaged sure. as much and I think getting engaged with them today would be a much better uh, way of doing things and getting some opinions sure. but also you know being as honest and as transparent as you can Yeah, you know if someone buys Birmingham City at the moment, for instance, it's unlikely to be mm-hmm. a super rich Arab or mm-hmm. any description who's going to just... Could be Ryan Reynolds, though. He's, you know, he's yeah, you never know. But again, they've not thrown loads of money. No, they haven't. It, it yeah. is a lot of, you know, it's, it's money going in and yeah. not really coming out. You yeah. know, it's hard. But again, a, passion project. a lot of them, I think, as you just said, if you definitely, if you're aiming for the premiership, it's about the... If you're involved in a football club, that's all anyone wants to speak about. Yeah. They don't care what other businesses you've got. Yeah. They all want to speak about football no matter what. And the premiership sort of just lights everyone's eyes up. Yeah, 100%. And in terms of when you were Ned for Birmingham City, what were you doing around that 
from an entrepreneurial business standpoint, were you still diluted in terms of advising, investing and growing? Or was it very much um, just focused on lifestyle? By then, um, so I took on All Saints. Yep. Uh, that was just around that time. So, uh, and that's that was... Um, that was just a, a bit of a fluke story. As a friend of mine called Mick Dunn, uh, who used, used to be the MD of Reese Menswear. Yeah, yeah. Them a in. lifelong yeah. friend. And um, he'd invested in All Saints in Birmingham and had um, all of his money in it mm -hmm. and, you know, sort of his life savings. And then he called me one day and said that All Saints had gone into administration. Right. So, and he was sort of fraught. He didn't know what to do. You right. know, it was like, oh, I've just lost everything. Was that his life forever? He'd yeah, he, he'd come from a, 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 you know, position at Reese, which was comfortable, mm -hmm. to going all out on his own, which, you know, he's an operator. He's a really good operator. Yeah, yeah. And um, he just didn't know what to do. So just luck would have it. I knew the administrator mm -hmm. at the time and uh, got in touch with them. And I basically facilitated mm -hmm. uh, the purchase of it. Mm -hmm. um, Mick and a guy called Stuart Trevor right. were, were, three, were three partners in a sense. Mm -hmm. um, I literally didn't do a lot at that point. You know, it was just the money mm -hmm. and some guidance and some advice on things, mm -hmm. whereas they did the majority of the work in terms of the design and then the running of the business. Right. And, and you know, that, that was then at the same time. Coming up in this episode... You then famously went into Gymshark. You were one of the catalysts to where they've got to now, albeit the one that maybe doesn't get the notoriety. How did you change that business so much over such a short period of time to take it from what Ben did through to the billion quid it is now? A lot of it was they'd got a business that looked like it could take off, but didn't know what to do next. They had a, an accountant who shouldn't have been an accountant. I don't think they had any insurance. It was a fun business to them it was a laugh it was they were earning money they were having a great time all the things that as, as a 19 year old really should be doing they shouldn't be taking it too serious that is all to come in this episode of successes in the mind it seems you've been quite lucky in terms of who you know because you've gone through quite a tough upbringing with you know multiple different things going right or going wrong at the, at the point you were born through to the point that you know you sold your first business but being patched into Birmingham City, speaking to the founders of Reese, you know, buying them at low cost, growing them, etc. A lot of stuff's just kind of landed on your palm, really, has it not? Or on your hands. I suppose you've got to be there to take advantage of it, though. Yeah. You know, it's, um, what they say about luck, isn't it? Something about, you know, opportunity well planned or something. I yeah. can't remember. But I think loads of things come your way. It's whether you're willing to, to jump, you know. And Do you often say no? Um Probably not as often as I should. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my daughters and, yeah, my girlfriend would tell you that. Yes. So, you know, recently I should not be doing all the things I'm doing, but, yeah, I'll do them. Yes. Um, the opportunities, um, yeah, you've just got to be able to, you know, and again, it's evaluating them really quickly. You know, you could mm -hmm. have said no, could have said no to um, to Mick, mm -hmm. and then someone else bought it the following day and it's gone. Yeah. So it's that, sometimes that ability to just go, yeah, I'm going to go with it. It's my gut. I think mm -hmm. it's the right thing. Um and I think, you know, business is a lot of that. Mm -hmm. um, it's always nice to get all the numbers around it, but yeah. sometimes you just haven't got time. You just got to take a punt and hope for the best. To yeah, extent. I think I've so. done it. Some have, you know, a few have gone wrong. Some have gone well. I think it's get right more than right. That's all you've got to do. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, successful. It's as simple as that. It's true. You know, people focus, I think, especially today, they focus on, I think, with social and everything that everyone's getting it all right all the time. And yeah. they're not. No, I'm really quite pissed off with LinkedIn because it's constantly looking like everyone's doing better than you are. But the reality <laughs> is, that's how they want to be perceived. Yeah, yeah. You know, social media is a dangerous thing, but arguably for some brands, it's really important. 
Uh, look, uh, social media is as dangerous as people want to make it and mm -hmm. use it. Yeah. So it's not using itself. No. Um, you know, it's, it's how you use it, how much, mm -hmm. you know, how much you believe in it, you know, and see through it or not. Mm -hmm. I think it's a fantastic and it's an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not keen on all the algorithm manipulation, no. you know, and I think a lot of people aren't, you know, because they find it a bit unfair that, you know, if you've got a hundred followers and you put something out, a hundred people don't see it. We're quite, yeah. <laughs> Which <laughs> seems a bit unfair, really, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they have their reasons. I think, you know, everything is how you use it, you know, mm. um, having a drink, you know, to yeah. uh, most people is okay, yeah. but to some people's not because of how they use it, you know, whatever it is. So again, it's much the same. And I think it's, it will be one of the new and probably is one of the new or newest addictions. Yeah, very true. Know. Very true. And in terms, I suppose, of addictions and how the world has changed in your career, things have gone, and we spoke about it earlier in terms of offices, during the pandemic, everyone's kind of thrown the towel in and gone, we don't need offices, we'll work from home and that's fine. But, and, and you very candidly said, but you think in two or three years time, that's going to be a huge mistake. People are going to say, actually, we need to have offices because fundamentally we can't hire the staff because we haven't got them. Yeah. I mean, I'm a massive believer in it's what's the best for the company yeah. because the company's there that's paying salaries and wages, first and foremost. Um, I don't know how young people are going to learn mm -hmm. if they're working from home most of the time because, you know, most of the things that I've learned have been by watching people, looking, mm -hmm. you know, listening, you know, having contact with them, you know, yeah. being in a meeting that I shouldn't be in, yeah. you know, and, and, and et cetera. Or just sitting out in the office. and nobody Yeah, out. and just talking to someone yeah. and, and, you know, that sort of thing. But isolating, I mean, it, I think we have such on social media mm -hmm. and lots of things about isolating it can be. Yeah. And I think then if you're taking the workplace out, which is one place that you know people can go to socialize mm -hmm. without having a drink or being with their mates and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And also it's, it's, I think it's easy to talk to people. So if yeah. I wanted, if I worked with you here yeah. and I had a problem, I could talk to you about it. If I was at home talking to my girlfriend or my friend, they mm -hmm. won't have the same context. No, and it's also, I find it quite a lot harder to maintain people's attention through virtual calls than it is to have someone's attention in yeah. a room. Because you're just, millions of emails coming in, whatever, you're focusing on your yeah, phone. Yeah, they're always looking at something is. else below, there's a phone below. They're not paying attention to the actual yeah. to the actual conversation. Yeah. But in terms of in terms of how you're building your new businesses, because you've built them with hardly any money, now you've got a bit of cash, you're able to build them and scale them in a way that maybe people want to do that when they start out or raise funding, I suppose, yep. for to do, right? So you did Birmingham City, you went to All Saints, you grew that. You then famously went into into Gymshark, essentially. Yep. You did a lot of change there. You were you were one of the catalysts to where they've got to now, albeit the one that maybe doesn't get the notoriety for it. Yep. How did you change that business so much over such a short period of time to take it from what Ben did through to the billion quid it is now? So when I when I met Ben and Lewis um, mm -hmm. back in the Bromsgrove, David Lloyd gym, back at the end of 2013. They had a small business that was four and a half million and about um, eight staff. Mm -hmm. um, and they would just ask me questions and um, eventually got to the point where I, I would, you know, I said, I'll do a day a month. Yeah. You know, I'd got no waste at the time, which I was doing the nappy recycling. Hadn't really got much time, but I really liked the guys. You know, they, they, there was something about it. Yeah. I don't know why I had to talk to them because, you know, sometimes they're a bit of a knob, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, they can be, you know, young guys sort of yeah. bouncing around the gym, you know. Um, uh, did you, where did you meet them? It was in David Lloyd. Uh, was it? Yeah, David Lloyd Gym in okay. Bromsgrove. Okay. That literally was the gym I went to and they yeah, went to. Um, and it, a lot of it was they, they, they'd they got a business that looked like it could take off, mm -hmm. but didn't know 
what to do next. Mm-hmm. And we're literally a couple of young guys winging it, yeah, literally winging it. Um, so myself coming along, it was a case of put, I, I like foundations. I like to try and put the foundations in a, in, in, in a business mm-hmm. to sort of steady it along. If you're going to build a house, you can't build it without foundations. No, if you do, you're gonna, it's going to fall down. Yeah. And sometimes you've got to build it quickly. You might want to build your shed and then you've got to knock it down and put something better up. So there isn't, you know, always able to put them foundations mm-hmm. in, but mm-hmm. if you can possibly do it. So that was the idea is we realized that they were earning enough money that we could mm-hmm. do it. And, you know, over time, that's what we did. Brought in Steve Hewitt. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the story with Steve was we, uh, Ben came to me one day and he hadn't literally slept for about five days. Okay. His supplier in China hadn't delivered and I think they basically sold a lot of the stuff on site and right. really hadn't even landed, I think. Right, okay. So, so it sort of done um, for China. Yeah, you know, right, okay. sort of um, young guys. And yeah. and he was really worried. Um, so I said, you need we need to get some more suppliers. Mm-hmm. So a friend of mine knew a friend of mine who was supplying from Turkey, which could right. come by road. So okay. it was, okay, so we have a look at that. So we said, yeah. We used to have the meetings in my office, which was the no waste office at the time, mm-hmm. which was up the road. And because um, they hadn't got any tables in the Gymshark place, it was just a warehouse. Okay. Okay. So I got these guys to come along, and I'm there with Ben and Lewis, and mm-hmm. in walks Steve Hewitt. Right. He was the advisor for the other people. Oh, okay. The suppliers from Turkey. Sure. So we met, we realized we already knew each other. But wow. again, he was from David Lloyd. He'd been at David Lloyd's gym in Bromsgrove at the That's same the time. Best network in the world. So really, yeah. yeah. And and when we finished the meeting, I said, Steve, can I have a word with you? Mm-hmm. So I had a word. I said, I didn't know you did this. Yeah, I do this. I'm ex-Reebok and blah, 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 right, blah, okay. blah. Okay. Really got talking, met him a couple of more times, got onto Ben and Lewis and said, you need this guy in the business. Right. You need him as an advisor because he can do the things that I don't do, you know, the more commercial stuff. Yeah, yeah. So again, he... He was taken on as a, I think, one day a week and then two days a week. Mm-hmm. And eventually we said, you need to be MD. Wow. And he was MD initially. Okay. After how long? Oh, a couple of three months. Wow. Three yeah, months. He knew okay. straight away. He was, he's, you know, special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Steve is one of the best operators I know. And then they had the margins to be able to punt on things like that in terms of just patching people in at the early stages. Yeah, we, we, we knew it was there. Right. The sales were coming in. Mm-hmm. So we knew we could do it. And, you know, I asked them early doors um, a question. And they got a great lifestyle business. And I said, do you want to just, do you want this as a real lifestyle business? They were both driving at the time, um, Audi R8 sports okay. cars. Yeah, yeah, so nice. they did everything together. Nice. So if one had one, the other one had I one. I bet they were twins. white. So were they black? Oh, I think one, maybe one was white, one, one was black I'd imagine or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> With a black yeah. roof or something, yeah. Yeah, and they, they, they would do that together. It was yeah. always the same because they were 50-50. Fine. Um, was that the equity split? Yeah, it was did, at the time. Was that a good decision for them? Um yeah i mean it was what they wanted at the time but it was again yeah. i knew straight away that was a problem so what did you say to them because i've i've had 50 50 we did before. a shareholders agreement yeah and we didn't the first thing i did we didn't have one and yeah. it went completely peaked on yeah 50 yeah. it didn't work no it didn't work so we we the, that was the first one of the first things i did yeah and i've actually got my first i've got the book was who's to write in really with all the first meetings in oh that's good that's i still good. got them right i've okay. got all the meetings in a book which is really cool do you keep do you hoard and keep things like that i know i i personally yeah, well, I found it by mistake. I yeah. found it in one of my, you know, the drawers somewhere and thought, well, that's old. Yeah. Got it out and they're all there. I showed Ben and everything oh, and I've kept, I've kept it. Because we were doing our induction, weren't we? We did an induction history video for the new starters uh, yeah. a few weeks ago. And I found from 2013 when I started my business plan for this business. Yeah. And 
it brings back those memories and you, you do see how far you've come. Oh, we, we had all the people in and how yeah. much and some of the plans and... How much has come to fruition? Yeah, the question, so I went back to that question was, what, what do you want? And mm-hmm. they said, we want to be as big as Under Armour. Okay. I laughed at them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I understood their sort of hunger and dynamic that they wanted. So I immediately said to them, well, things will have to change. Mm-hmm. So you're going to go through loads of changes and you're going to have to expect all different things. It's not going to be your mm-hmm. business where you're making every decision. You're going to have to sure. hire people that are much better than you. It's a longer term view. Yeah. All these different things you're going to have to master, which is, you know, um, what we were working on after that. So bringing Steve in was one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I brought another guy in from the Hook Group, ex-Hook Group, which okay. is Rich Chapel. Yep. Um, again, one of the best marketeers I know. Yep. Um, and in fact, he's helped us with Hera. Yep. Um, he's got something called the Growth Foundation now. Okay, but he's, I've heard of the Growth Foundation. Yeah, yeah really, yeah. really good operator. Sure. Right, really good. One of the best I know. Mm-hmm. So brought him in as well. Sure. Um, brought my insurers in. Wow, okay. My accountants in that I knew. Um, what else have we got? all the various people that I knew that I could trust around us to basically build the foundation. So they absolutely had nothing apart from a bit of cash. They had an accountant who shouldn't have been an accountant. I don't think they had any insurance. (laughs) Did they not? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. They might have done on the cars. I think on stock or anything. Maybe not even on the cars, but yeah. Um, (laughs) But you know, it was, it was, it was a, fun business to yeah. them it was a laugh it was they were earning money Zombie. they were having a great time you yeah. know all the things that as as a 19 year old or whatever they were at the mm-hmm. time really should be doing they shouldn't be taking it too serious 100 so you you patched in your team essentially right and it yeah from- we built the team with them and yeah but it was people that i knew that i could yeah. trust immediately rather than saying we got to we tried an accountant that they'd been recommended again who um was driving a lamborghini soft top right okay. so i thought he's clearly fiddling the books can't quite be right somehow yeah, you yeah. know that's not the star we want so we went there initially myself and steve walked in the door and immediately almost like walked out and that's really? when we brought my accountant in philip door who's now the cfo at gymshock Fine. um but it just brought the people in we could trust so that mm-hmm. we could actually get on with the business rather than thinking right we'll try these people mm-hmm. and it might work or it might not work i knew if i brought the accountants in mm-hmm. We could clean everything up, make sure it was right, get it straight. Sure. And then basically we could move on and we had good footings to stand on. But it's interesting because they and you were lucky enough at that point to be able to do that. Like you build those connections over time. You know what not to do because you personally have done it before so they don't have to make that mistake again, right? In terms of what you did when you were starting up in your business career, how did you know who's the right person to keep hold of versus who you should get rid of? Oh, that's really difficult. Um Trial and error, yeah. but again, I'm I'm actually a massive believer in um, relationships and building partnerships. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people that I still know that I talk to if I need something sure. that I've known for a long time. So, for instance, now if for some reason, so someone asked me about the nappy recycling a short while ago, right, okay. and they wanted to look back into the business. So I sort of made three or four calls yep. and intro introed them to the right people to talk about it, right. because again, those people will take your call mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. again you know you've just worked with them over time you know you've had a good deal in everyone's earned some money yeah yeah because that's, that's, that that's the secret it, that helps. yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah everyone's for free got to earn you know if someone yeah. the builder comes and does some work for you he's not there for his health he's there no. to earn some money yeah and hopefully you know it's a fair deal and you'll have him back again 
Mm-hmm. The ones that want to earn too much, just do it once and then you never see them again. And in terms of the, I suppose, of, of the staffing side of things then and knowing who a good person to hire is, because, you know, back in the day you were just taking people on left, right and centre and now it's slightly more structured in terms of how to hire for individuals. You've grown Hera pretty rapidly over the last sort of three yeah. to six months. You know, how do you know that that person just there is perfect? Um, whew. The I learned a lot at Gymshark about yeah. just looking for the right things and asking the right questions. And what are they? Um, for, for me, it's about getting their passion. You know, uh, you want them to be passionate about their job. Yeah. So one of the first things I ask them is why? Why do you do what you do? Why do you want to do what you do? I, I always think it's about the why first. And, you know... Well, Simon Sinek said as much, did he? Yeah, so, and I, I think that's probably where I got it from at yeah. the end of the day. You know, I listen to him a lot. And again, yeah. this is about listening. I like taking bits from all different people. Yeah. I don't like yeah. thinking someone like Tony Robbins is a guru that he's the only person you've ever got to listen to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love taking little bits from, from people. That's why we started this podcast, so they can take from this yeah. and die with the CEO. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, and it, it, the why for me is the first thing. Why yeah. do you do it? Why, what, what, you know, why, why are you a, a graphic designer? And I think when you start to get answers like that, it mm-hmm. talk, you know, you're even going into their personal life rather than just about why you want this as a job. Yeah. You know, why did you do it and all that? And I think, you know, that works really well for us. Mm-hmm. You know, we gather that passion. And again, you're halfway there because the money will be negotiable. The money will be the money is a byproduct then of passion? Or do you think that you are only passionate because of the money? I think it's, I think it's, I'm not saying it's equal because some no. people it's not, but I think it, 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 it sort of goes up and down. It varies with people. Yeah. You know, some people money is much more important mm-hmm. and they see more value. Other times I'll do it for the passion. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, you have to do it for both. Yeah, I think because, you know, sometimes the passion will wane and the money yeah. will drive you on or the money will drive you on and, the, and you know, whichever way around. And when do you stop though? When do you stop putting in the long hours? Because you said about Ben working around the clock because China weren't delivering. You've evidently done the same. I've done the same. Everyone does the same when they start. But... When do you go, actually, I'm going to do 10 hours or five hours today rather than the 12 that I should or 16 that you should be doing? I think people have different, you know, yeah. for, for me, that doesn't work. No. And that's what my family are on to me at the moment about. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, when I when I finished at Gymshark, you know, a couple of months ago, it yeah, was yeah. like, okay, you're only going to do three days now. And um, yeah, I, I do want to get more time with the family, but mm-hmm. it's not a case of there's no exact science to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what people have to realise I don't know many successful people that haven't worked really, really hard yeah. and made real sacrifices yeah. in time. So even though from the outside of it, you know, you, you could look at Ben Francis and say, wow, what a lucky guy. You know, he, he works hard, yeah. you know, and has worked hard and has, has, has worked to better himself. He's a real good listener. Yeah. So from the outside, it looked like he's really had a real easy ride. You know, Steve and I in the background and mm-hmm. a lot of staff around him and, everything else but that's not that's not true he's worked hard i think you have to i think it has to be about working hard and i think when i used to look at it back in the day in waste it was i used to do seven days a week then Mm -hmm. that's what we did and i was to think well the guys who close on a saturday means i'm getting a day and a half or two days extra work than them Mm -hmm. so i'm doing more yeah um I'm probably not much cleverer than they are, you no. know. Um, I didn't go to uni. I haven't got any real massive qualifications besides... But you're more intelligent maybe because you have had the life experience that they haven't had, so I, you know I, how to apply it. I like to think so. I like yeah. to think that I've got a lot of life experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and but I think, you know, it, it was still apparent in early days, you know, yeah. the hard work, I've always worked really hard. 
Yeah. I like hard work. I feel it's fulfilling. I think you you know, you put a good shift in. Yeah. And you think, well, I've done, you know, that's that's good. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I haven't earned the fortune I wanted to this week or this day. Mm-hmm. But I know, I know I've put the shift in. You've moved the business forward a little, yeah, even yeah. a percent, yeah. for instance. But in terms of, and looking at ego for one, right, in terms of being an extrovert or an introvert, some of the most successful people are introverts. You look at Elon Musk, you look at Bill Gates, you look at Mark Zuckerberg, all introverts. Ben, I think, was an introvert, right? He, he still is. He's, he's still, I mean, he's come out of his shell slightly grasped. Yeah. But do you think egos can damage someone's success because they are too they want to be perceived in a way that just simply they can't live up to and that 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 hits things uh, again i think social media and the way things are at the moment yeah. have sort of enhanced that because people are looking at certain people thinking i want to be like that yeah that's the way to do it look how successful they are mm-hmm. you know and um that's not always true you know mm-hmm. for me i think egos it's one of the worst things yeah um i think get yourself grounded and work out what you want. And, you know, some people are naturally ex- extrovert. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do it my way. And, you know, that's the way I'm I'm okay with. I've, yeah. I've reconciled that, yeah. you know. Um, but other people do it a different way. I mean, I met uh, Gary V. Yeah, um, great guy. On the Gymshark board. Yeah. And I had, you know, concept, uh, sort of perception of him before I met him because of the way mm-hmm. he's on certain things. And I was completely surprised and amazed. And he's a great guy. Because perception, or sorry, he's perceived to be quite cocky quite arrogant yep. quite out there what's he actually like he's confident but he's concise intelligent um thoughtful mm-hmm. you know he, he, nothing is you know when he's talking about something he'll explain it to you mm-hmm. so i had real admiration when i met him when i didn't expect it and i like that yeah you know because i was like oh but, Here we you know, go. Yeah. really good you know gave me some great insights i asked him some questions about a couple of things that mm-hmm. really helped me now with hera mm-hmm. such as Social media, yeah. You know, he gave some insights into social media, which, you know, I didn't know. I passed them on to Georgia. She was like, "Okay, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I get it, and we can move on that." You know, and it was, it was, you know, the way social media is yeah. going, and you know, it's always on the move. It's a complete moving landscape because he's very much into Web three NFTs and crypto and that yeah. sphere and that space. And and I've started to follow him more so over the last couple of years because I've got an interested or an invested interest in that world. Yeah. Do you think there's scope for Hera, for Gymshark, for brands like that to be virtual garments in the metaverse, in the in the, in the virtual world? I don't know enough about it. Sure. But what I do know is I'd like to know more. Mm-hmm. But what I'll probably do is find the people that do know more and bring them on board because yeah. I definitely think there's something. Correct. I just don't know what that is at the moment. And, you know, I wouldn't sort of bullshit my way through it. Um, but when I look at certain things, I can't quite understand it yet. Mm-hmm. But you know, early adopters, some things yeah. go, some things don't, you yeah. know. I mean, we've seen it with crypto and all 100%. sorts of things. And, you know, I went into crypto a very small amount. Myself and Steve Hewitt did it. Yeah, we yeah. had a laugh with it. What did you go in for? As in, which currency? It was um, Ethereum. Okay, I mean, yeah, it got in. That well. It went yeah. down the pan. I sat with it for ages. As soon as it got to the number I got, I got out. Okay. Because that was just me. It's like How I long ago was that? Um, I got out about. 12 months ago. It's gone up since. It has gone up since. So I should have stayed in, but it was one of them things. It was, I don't understand enough about it. Yeah. Um, For me, it'll be about bringing the right people in Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to work with, to find out where we should be, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's some real talented people out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm talking to a guy at the moment about something 
slightly similar. Mm-hmm. Um, he understands it a bit more. Um, he's just really busy. Um, <laughs> Aren't they all? But yeah, for me, I definitely think so. I don't understand enough about it at this point. I mean, g- going back to not understanding, at school, for instance, dyslexic and dyspraxic over here, ask questions, you get told you're stupid. In business, if you don't ask questions, you don't, you don't know what to do, if that makes sense. Yep. Are you fully comfortable sitting in a board meeting and going, I don't understand? Or do you try and bluff your way through these things? I think occasionally you've got to bluff. Yeah. But I think it's it's better just asking the question. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much to know now. You're too there's much so honest. much to yeah. know. And again, you know, if you've got good people around you, they're willing to talk to you in a way that's not looking down on you because you yeah. don't know. But again, you don't know have to have to know everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So again, bringing people on you can really, really trust. Yeah. They're your arm. Instead yeah. of you knowing everything, you know enough. I think that trusting them is the big part mm-hmm. that they know what they're doing and you can move forward. And, you know, if you look at what Ben, uh, I mean, Lewis bowed out the business yeah. at, 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 at a time, but Ben trusted myself and Steve mm-hmm. to really, really help him with the business. And he has a low level of trust. <laughs> so, it, you know, but, and that paid big mm-hmm. dividends for him. And he was in an area that he didn't know and he trusted massively. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we, but we're two honorable guys. So again, I think he was lucky in that sense. We weren't there to rip him off. Yeah. We were there to do the right thing. Um, you know, Steve's moral compass is yeah. sort of legendary in Gymshark, <laughs> you know, um, but it's the right thing to do. So, yeah, I think, you know, you don't have to know everything, but trust the people that do know and work with them. And then they trusted you or hedged brilliantly in you because it's now a billion odd quid billion dollar 1.2 billion dollars something like that the day that it got to that point what did it feel like for you because not many people ever get involved in or build a unicorn quite frankly well we didn't we didn't really think about it as a unicorn that wasn't until afterwards when it sort of came out that it was it wasn't like oh we can be a unicorn it was yeah we were building a business we knew was really good Mm -hmm. um it was good for the people in it and everyone around it and, you know, when we um, decided to, um, you know, go in with, with looking on the finance side for people with, uh, you know, the experience there like GA and all the rest of them, mm-hmm. um, it was it was not in our mind that we'd got something that was called a unicorn. No. So, but when we got to the point that we knew the valuation and we knew what it was worth, it's something to be really proud of. Hugely. Yeah, we yeah. were like astounded because we it had literally come from we were there at the start, it yeah, was four yeah. and a half million, you know, eight people that were friends and family, mm-hmm. you know, a bit like Hera, to be exactly honest. Like about the same well, size, I mean, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like that. Yeah. So, so to do what we did, but, you know, we had a lot of the rub of the green on certain things, mm-hmm. but, you know, there's a lot of hard work and a lot of people there mm-hmm. helped put the shift in, mm-hmm. you know. You know, there's a lot of, I could just, I could just run the names off because there's a lot of hardworking people there. So definitely not one, definitely not Steve, me and Ben, you know, but everyone else involved. Um, That was a really, it was a really proud day Mm -hmm. when we, we did it because it was like that secured ourselves and our family and everything else and thinking, okay, fine. Now we can move on. Yeah. And now we can take it to where it needs to go. And I suppose to go back to your earlier point about the why, why bother raising the money at that point? Why bother going for the valuation? Why not just carry on growing it as you were? Raise money when you don't need it. That was the one thing. And it was a case we actually didn't need the money at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, the money that was raised, um, if you you know uh, look at Ben's videos and stuff, was mm-hmm. 
taken out by ourselves. Yeah. So it was it was de-risking our, de ourselves yeah. for everything we'd done because again it was like you sometimes was pinching yourself that yeah. this was going the way it was going year on year. Mm-hmm. You know the growth and and the profits. So again, I think it was taking the market at the time when it was at, its, at a good point. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was today, it wouldn't be so good. Yeah. So it was just that time. We started it before COVID, mm-hmm. went into COVID, and then sort of, you know, we looked at when COVID came, we were like, okay, we've got this money in the bank. How long are we going to last? Mm-hmm. And then a week later, everything takes off. Yeah. Um, so again, you know, elements of luck in that sense and being the right place, mm-hmm. right time. Um, but yeah, just the, for us, it was de-risking for ourselves. Mm-hmm as that sort of, I suppose, that recognition. Mm-hmm. That's what, you know, you're in business for that as well. You know, you're in business to make money at the end of the day. For sure. And I mean, when you de-risked from, from, from Gymshark, you've now bought the brand that you're currently wearing, Hera. Yeah. You bought that in late 2021? Yeah, October. You bought that off Ash White, who initially had an offer from Julian Duncan at Superdry, I think, a couple of years prior, but but declined that. Now, you know, similar to Gymshark, four and a bit, five million quid, roughly, I'm assuming was what it was turning over. Yep. Is that right? You want to scale that to 100 million, so a tenth of what you scaled Gymshark yep. to. That's still ballsy to be able to take a business from 5 million to 100 million in three to five years. Yeah, I, we think it's it's a strong brand. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ash did really well yep. um, with his very limited resources. Um, and he came to, to Gymshark, it's documented, um, to sell the business back uh, a while ago. Is that right? Yeah, 2018. So to sell it to you guys at, yeah, yeah, at Gymshark? Yeah, okay. and we offered him a deal and he didn't take it. What was the deal time. then? Um, he, uh, he he got the supplier, it's again well documented that he got an issue with yeah, and had I've some, heard had some yeah. debt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, he, he didn't really know how to get out of that and he was basically servicing that debt. Mm-hmm. And it's a well documented story from his point of view. Um, you know, we offered him a deal and, and he didn't take it. Mm-hmm. So when he came back, um, you know, in, in the, the sort of mid-21, mm-hmm. that was – Jim Sharp didn't want it. I asked Ben, said, do you have any interest in it? No. This was but, prior to your exit Yeah, Jim Sharp. Yeah, but it was always planned. My exit was planned anyway. Was but my exit okay. was planned for January. Right. It only went over till uh, March because I was doing a building, right. uh, okay. a construction project. Um, so, again, that was all planned and ready. So – when I said, well, I might look at it, mm-hmm. you know, Ben was like, yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I looked at it. I mean, again, it's, um, it's a ballsy number. Yeah. And, yeah. um, but we believe the brand is strong enough. I mean, I spoke to Ben, Ben's words to me were, that's one of the strongest brands I know mm-hmm. because, you know, the things that have happened to it along mm-hmm. the way, you know, um, and it's still there. So yeah, we believe we can do it. You know, my girls, Holly and Georgia, um, you know, they're showing great strength, um, yeah. Promise, and you know, I, I I believe we can do it. Well, you, I mean, you, you patched them both in, didn't you? One was head of marketing or head of buying, I should say, and the other's chief brand officer. And and, and it must be quite nice to to patch your daughters into the business, knowing that actually, you know, they're looked after, you're looked after. You just have some fun as a family, almost. Yeah, we always wanted to work together. We've been talking about it for ages. So again, it, initially, it was we'd probably start a brand up mm-hmm. with some description. So this is like getting on a moving target, yeah. Really, and and you know. I've always liked the Hera brand. Mm-hmm. I've always thought it was really strong. And the opportunity came along and it was like, okay, girls, uh, you know, yeah. this is going to cost some money to do. You know, we're going to pay a fair price for it. And, but it's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And they just absolutely just jumped at it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a fantastic opportunity to work yeah. with them. Um, I'm going to be quite 
probably hands off ish. Yeah, yeah. So again, I'm I'm in the background, helicopter view as I look at it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, bringing the people in. So Rich Chapel and Hope Crowd Foundation have been in yeah, with yeah. us, setting the foundations. So a lot of foundations in. I'll use this year because yeah. you know the end of last year was just sort of you know getting our feet in the door. Yeah, but yeah. We got high hopes for it, for and it's one hundred percent equity that you've got in that. Is yeah. that right? You haven't diluted yeah. anything. No. So initially, I bought seventy off Ash, right? Um, and then within a, a month, mm-hmm. he decided he didn't want to keep his thirty. Well, this is it. I saw three weeks ago at the point of recording him in a pub up the road, and I think that was near the point that he actually fully got out because yeah. a couple of mutuals were sort of alluding to that. But I thought, rightly or wrongly, he was pushed out. Was it he wanted out? No, he he. Um, he came to me and he, he 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 didn't quite like the way we were going. Right. But, uh, you know, from my point of view, we'd got 70% mm-hmm. and we'd got a plan. He didn't quite agree with that. Yeah. Um, and decided that, you know, okay, do you want to buy the rest of the 30? Mm-hmm. And for me, it was perfect. I've always, always wanted 100. Yeah. Um, he didn't want to sell it initially on the first part. But, you know, um, Ash has got his own ideas, but, he, you know, he couldn't put them into play. Yeah. Because it was a, it was our business, my business. Do you think he was wrong to throw the towel in? Um, based on what your history has been like, and time will tell. Got, I think, but I would say yes. Yeah, I know. Um, but Ash will, you know, take take the, the money he's got now, and you know, um, he will do something. Mm-hmm. I don't quite know what. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a, you know, he's he's a, a talented lad. Um, well, he built it from nothing. Was yeah, it twenty-one did. grand you know, back in the day? You've got to give him credit. You know, no, no doubt, and he had a lot of things go against him. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, we we all make our own decisions, yeah. so you know he has to take that responsibility. But mm-hmm. you know, he had a tough time, mm-hmm. and he still got through um, and kept going and going and going. So mm-hmm. I've got admiration for him there. You know, we're different characters, hundred percent, and you know he will do something and be successful. Yeah, in it, whatever it might be. Well, I think it goes back to that. He's very. I'm going to say egotistical to a certain extent. He likes to be perceived in a way that maybe showcases him in, 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 in a style that is more successful than one maybe, for instance, Lamborghinis outside, yeah. Conor McGregor, whatever it might be. And you are very introverted in terms of, you know, being perceived differently. Yeah. So do you think maybe that was a negative? Maybe he did bite off more than he can chew back in the day with Hera because he was so uh, cocky. I think he was, I think, a little bit naive probably the right word yeah um i think he took on a persona that you know he's ash yeah um i think he's just a little bit of naivety didn't help him and he would gladly tell you he didn't have a paul and steve yeah and that's his biggest issue he didn't have a paul and steve to help him not do those things so you know i, I think if if he'd mm-hmm. have taken on the deal back in 2018 mm-hmm. You know, Hera wouldn't have been for sale in 2021. No. Um, but I think more naivety. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's, he's his persona, but everyone's different, aren't they? You know, yeah. Yeah. everyone has to be different. And, and huge respect to Ash for, for building it for essentially nothing. Dropped out of school and, and built it. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and exited. He's, and that's really he's now got money to do, to do really difficult anything to do. that he wants to do. Yeah. And he'll have the money that he didn't have to start Hera. So whatever he's going to do, he's got a head start. What was the exit value for him? Do we know? Was it nine million? No. Less? No. It, it, yeah. I suppose in terms of, of, of not having a Paul and Steve, just to pick up on, on that point, having an NED is critical, I find quite important anyway. We've just taken on some NEDs, for instance, some advisors. 
How do you go about finding the right NEDs for the business? Because there's not a database out there like Tinder yeah. where you can swipe and find someone that's perfect. It's really difficult. Maybe Again, I think. Maybe, sorry. Maybe there should be a Tinder for NEDs. Actually, you're not. Where you, a where good you, shout. I mean, swipe. I've I've been contacted since uh, during Gymshark, and then obviously when people knew I was moving on, I've yeah. had loads and loads of contact with people contact me. Mm -hmm. um, I think. I think you've got LinkedIn, social, yeah. and all the rest of them to try and trawl through, but put the work in mm -hmm. and try and find like-minded people. I'm doing something at the moment with 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 people. So I've took on several NEDs, which I'll tell you about in a minute, but um, and, and chairman. But I'm doing something whereby I'm, I'm giving myself two hours a week, four mm -hmm. half an hour slots, mm -hmm. where if someone contacts me on social or LinkedIn. You know, I can't fit everyone in, but I'm doing like a half an hour Zoom or okay. Teams with them. And literally, they're ranging from someone in Cincinnati who's got yeah. a little closed business who just wants to talk about some things to nice. people who've got a business and actually want me to invest, but also just me to tell them, give them some advice. Yes, uh, I'm really enjoying that, to be honest. Do they and, pay you for that, or is that no, just no, no, no? I just do it. Just I'm just back. doing it. I think it's just that little bit of giving back. It yeah. feels like people are asking me, so I can either just say, "No, piss off." Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to be bothered. <laughs> yeah. I haven't got time. Yeah, or I thought, do you know what? Why not? You know, um, and I, I'm liking it. You know, I've got I've done four this week. Right, okay. I do four each week. I pick my time. They've got to fit in with my time. So yes, if they start getting iffy, you can't fit this in, can't fit that in. Then yeah, sorry, mate. On. Then yeah. you know, I'm moving on. But um, you know, I've probably got another three weeks lined up already. Yeah, um, to do that, and and that's people reaching out. You know, in all various, and ways. that's on LinkedIn. That's on LinkedIn. It's on Instagram, and it's on anything else. So, in terms of if people wanted to reach out to you, what what are your handles? How do they reach out for? for, for um, I'm, I'm on Instagram. Um, I don't want my handle to be Paul underscore twice Richardson. I think <laughs> twice Richardson. Yeah, underscore. Okay. I think two underscores. <laughs> yeah, not twice. That's in T W I C E. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that that'll be on there. It's open. So yeah. I've left that open at the moment. Um, I, w I was private, but I've opened it up. And I, sure. Uh, now LinkedIn's pretty easy. I'm on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've got Twitter. I'm not using it very much, but I do want to maybe start using it again. Yeah. Well, it's just an interesting concept that Musk just bought. So do you think that's yeah. a good move? I think it's really interesting. Yeah. You know, from the point of view of uh, free speech, etc. Mm -hmm. But obviously, you know, I'm I'm, I'm I'm a fan of free speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think people have an opinion, and I think that's okay, and you think you should be able to. I was listening to Piers Morgan the other day on yeah. uh, Stephen Bartlett's podcast, and yeah. he's very interesting about opinions, and actually I yeah. agree with him. It's yeah, okay to have an opinion. Yeah. You know, you don't have to argue or disagree or, you know, have a fight. Yeah. Um, you know, but also I think, you know, there's far too much mm -hmm. hate and, you know, racial and 100%. all sorts of different yeah. things going on that really is unnecessary. Yeah. And I find it really difficult to believe that the big guys who own all those yeah. sort of media don't have a way to stop it because they can manoeuvre everything else you 100%, 100%. do. 100%. You know, if you talk long enough on, on, in front of your Apple phone, yeah. you'll get an advert. Yep. Yeah, you will. Some description. You find something weird and keep saying it, you will get an advert come through. You will. If you just play this podcast loud enough, you get a load of hair adverts come through. <laughs> <laughs> in, in terms of going back to that Twitter conversation, and again, Gary V earlier and what he said about social media, yeah. Musk said at the Met Gala and the point of recording it, it was two days ago, um, that he wants to start to charge businesses and government organisations a small fee to be on Twitter, but all the people that just use it as individuals that can have that for free. Do you think that's going to be a good move or do you think that's going to make businesses like Hera pull off? I think it could probably help. Mm -hmm. I think it 
maybe legitimize it you know if it's done correctly and it's not maneuvered i don't mind things that are up front you know what you stand you want yeah, to yeah. pay or you don't yeah what i don't like is when it's done behind the scenes for whatever the reason mm -hmm. and you know i'm not a zuckerberg fan for the things that happen behind mm -hmm. the scenes and i think they're not very a bit disingenuous mm -hmm. um but if someone says well it's five pounds to join that you either pay your five pounds to join or you say no i'm not paying five pounds and don't join yeah but i think if someone tells you come on join and then take five pound out your bank account you didn't yeah. know then that's disingenuous yeah yeah no that makes sense you know. i think the i think businesses will stomach it i think if there's enough users on there and there's enough yeah i think if it's if it helps do things mm -hmm. you know and that's the only thing is people taking money and doing something good with it whatever mm -hmm. or doing the right thing with it being open and and as transparent as you can mm -hmm. Because I think people say, oh, we're completely transparent, and that's yeah. absolute bollocks. 100%. Yeah. I think you have to be as transparent as you can. You know? We're a completely transparent company. Yeah. What do you earn? What do you earn? And what do you earn? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it goes back to that. Can't tell each other. That well, they're not transparent, are you then? Well, exactly. I mean, with, with Hera, I suppose, being transparent, you were, I suppose, transparent to your daughters about how much it was going to cost and what you're going to do yeah. and, and the scale and the, the pain that's going to maybe happen. But in terms of those that are at the company that you've now chopped because you've got rid of a load of people, but also hires quite a considerable amount in a short period of time, how transparent to them and Ash were you when you took it on? Um, I think completely. So the the guys that um, work for Ash were mainly family and friends. Right. And, um, you know, we decided in the deal, in the transaction, that that wasn't a good idea to move forward. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was an open and honest conversation. And, you know, the, the dues that were they were due were paid. Yep. So there was no... No one there with any, you know, didn't get something that they should have done. It was mm -hmm. in a transaction with the lawyers. Um, the new people come on. We're, we're pretty transparent with everything. Nice. And we've just done a, a playbook. Okay. So very early. Um, I think we need to find a new word for playbook because it always seems like, you know what, it, 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 it's <laughs> a bad connotations. Yeah. yeah. But really, we've, we've done it very early. So the idea is this is a journey we'd like to go on. Mm -hmm. And we've played it to them and talked to them about it and, they really like the fact is we've got train tracks to go on. Yeah. We've got a, a, a journey to go on. Yeah, history, and that yeah. journey will probably change a little bit along the way. So it's not fixed in concrete. Mm -hmm. But we've already done that in readiness. And they really like the idea of what mm -hmm. we're putting forward. Um, and that's been worked between ourselves and and the, the Growth Foundation. But mm -hmm. unusual for a smaller company that we are. Yeah. But again, for us, it lays out where we want to go, what we want to do and the why. Well, you're in that 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 sort of idealistic point, I suppose. And, you know, looking at Musk, he can afford to to lose all that cash on Twitter and he's absolutely fine. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that, that, that you've got the same amount of liquid, but arguably you have enough liquid to take a punt and go, if it doesn't work, it was it's annoying. Yeah. Right. So in terms of being able to scale Hera, are you just simply chucking everything at it to almost make no margins over the first few years to get that no notoriety and then pull back immediately before sale? Or how are you how are you structuring that? No, it's a long-term view. Right. So foundations going in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've got more people now than we need. But we know that when we launch all the new collections towards the end of the year, yeah. they'll all be okay. Yeah. It'll, you know, we need them now to get those collections ready and to do all the work in between time. Mm -hmm. um, Office-wise, the same. You know, just mm -hmm. taking on some new offices, there will be three or four times the size of what we need day yeah. today, but they're ready for the growth. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm fortunate to be able to have yeah. the capital behind me to help lay those foundations. My girls are tight. They sort of like, they don't spend money with it as they need to. So they, <laughs> they sort of keep me in check. 
Yeah. Um, but for me, it's about, you know, having that vision of saying, you know, yeah. okay, we could stay in the little office we are now and it's great, but mm -hmm. you can't talk. If you got a phone call, you have to walk outside and mm -hmm. do all this, or we can get a nice office where we can grow into it. Mm -hmm. And that means it's a one pain that I've taken away from them. Mm -hmm. So the idea for me is take away the pain that they can grow fast mm -hmm. and not have them bumps in the road. Mm -hmm. So again, things that I know come up where, oh shit, we're so busy. Now we've got yeah. to change office. Yeah. Well, I change it now it won't even matter because i'll do it yeah i'll have it done and they'll just move into it and that's such a good place to be in paul because not not many people can be in that place or at least when you're raising funding or you're raising investment and you go i want to forecast for the next three years and i want a nice big office and i want you know too much space and x y and z too much stock people will go no because it's too risky but yeah. it's your own money so you can you can do that but if someone came to you with that proposal and they went i've got a clothing brand i want an office three times the size i want too much stock i want to put the foundations in but it might not work but i want you to fund it what would yeah. you say to that yeah but i know mine's going to work there I you mean, go. That, there's a difference is my confidence is it's going to work so yeah. it's the way i look at it it's a calculated risk yeah um because even if say for argument sake and it, it won't happen this is a legacy business this is a business we'll keep yeah. this is this is ongoing this family is business a family business they want the girls to have you know not saying at some point won't do a, a ga type scenario yep. yeah, where yeah, we well, take some money out de-risk it you know de-risk it mm -hmm. a little bit but the idea is to build it into a decent sized brand mm -hmm. you know and 100 million was plucked out the air as a it's it, a great spin. number yeah um we will just grow this as fast as possible yeah. um but with the right foundations and in the right way because jim shark was sportswear this is streetwear right so yeah. it's yeah. It's not even competing in that world. No, definitely not. Will you ever cross over and go into sportswear, or are you going to keep it exclusive? No, we 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 the where we're going at the moment is it's a, it's a, currently a menswear brand. Yep. So the idea for us, we've got a menswear brand. By September, we'll have a women's wear brand, mm -hmm. and we'll have footwear, and we'll have accessories coming okay. in. So our growth is all around the streetwear, and. Um, maybe going slightly smarter, mm -hmm. you know, the women's wear will be different to what we've got now, obviously, because it's just purely men's wear. So new markets opening, new mm -hmm. people. Um, I'm hugely interested in Gen Z. Yeah, yeah. So I want to really play in that area. You know, um, I think it's a massive growth area. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really interested in the used market. Mm -hmm. So I joined uh, chairman of Haru, okay. helping reuse, which is the okay. uh, used uh, clothing yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think Depop, et cetera, and that kind of it's thing? It's going to explode. Yeah, it's yeah. the fastest growing yeah. part of the, the sort of fashion market. Because I noticed the other day that your daughter, Holly, posted that you're now Bluetooth verified on TikTok. Yeah, 100 we, followers. That'll date it. Yeah, I know. It's yeah, it's mad. We, 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 we applied. They, they wanted us to do They asked us. Did they? Yeah, they asked us to go on. So we did it. And we're just literally now starting to, to work at it. You know, again, mm. it's been the few months have been really hard work for the guys. So, you know, now it's a case of saying we just put an, uh, an add-on for a social media specialist. Mm -hmm. So, And it's mainly around TikTok and anything else that's yeah. coming along. So we yeah. want someone really good. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's the next thing for us apart from a couple of other hires. Yeah. And then we're generally okay for this year. Fine. And that's you sourced up until 23 then? Yeah. That's the idea. So in 23, what's that growth trajectory look like? Are you going to pump in, because not, not stores, it's all going to be online, I'm assuming e-commerce. All online. Um, again, this is all about the collections and having yeah. the clothes. I mean, it's been quite limited. You yeah. know, I mean, um, you know, really, we're looking at jeans, uh, some shorts, okay. hoodies, yeah. and t-shirts. It's literally been the, yeah. the brand for quite a while yeah. now. Started with skinny jeans. You know, yeah. yeah. So the idea is just to expand all of that from the menswear side. 
Um, so it's generally it was black, white, and grey for ages yeah, was, with, yeah. with, with Ash. And um, I like the green though. Yeah, we have got all the colour now. Colours yeah. come in. There's a new launch tonight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so quite a big drop, and there's there's a launch every month now. Okay. And then in September it just expands and explodes with women, the women's wear, and then in the new year footwear. Right. Um, so yeah, we the thing we need is the stock to put in to yeah. do it now. We yeah. and then we'll get. The sales will roll from the people that we're using um, in terms of influencers yeah, yeah, yeah. and the way we're doing it, which is slightly different. Yeah. Again, you know, Ash did it in a way with putting a T-shirt on Conor McGregor. And that's fantastic. Yeah. You know, that's that's a way of doing it. Yep. But we believe there's a, a there's a slightly different way of doing it now, and that's the, the, the place we're going, more longevity, mm -hmm. a bit more around, you know, um, what – you know what's interesting about people rather mm -hmm. than just the look of them yeah you know yeah. so we're looking at more longevity with our sort of influencers ambassadors and things like that okay and i mean in terms of influencers and ambassadors and and again garment brands right everybody who wants to go into business i say everybody lots of people that start a business start a business in a world of clothing right they, they go oh, i'm gonna buy some t-shirts and put some branding on it and yeah. happy days most of them fail most of them don't work but it's almost a low barrier to entry because you can just shove it online and sell it, right? Yeah, especially now with Shopify. 100%. Yeah. In terms of if you were to start Hera and it wasn't Ashes and you hadn't bought it and you were sitting here without the, the cash that you've got, what, what would you do to be able to take that business off? It's really hard at the moment because there's so yeah. many of them. Literally, they are everywhere. And most of them are some sort of copy of something else. Mm -hmm. There's very few that I see that are actually look unique. sort of unique. Mm. And I think that's the way I would go. I think uniqueness. Um, I think you've got to have a hook. You've got to have something special, mm -hmm. you know, um, and you've got to think really hard what that is. You know, just because you've got organic T-shirts doesn't cut it anymore because, you know, everyone's going to have organic T-shirts. Yeah. You know, what's the story? What's the what's the why? What's mm -hmm. around it? So I think... Um, and what's the why of Hera then? Um, we've got some new stuff coming out, which I maybe can't okay. mention now. Um, yeah, the, the, the playbook's all around um, the uh, looking deeper. Okay. You know, it's about what's behind things rather okay. than, you know, for instance, a model who... Um, you know, yeah, looks fantastic, six foot mm -hmm. two, you know, tanned, etc. Mm -hmm. But actually, it's a landscape gardener, okay, or he bird watches, or yeah. she bird watches, or whatever it is. We want to look a little bit deeper at things, and 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 just that's where we're going sort of into a you know the less superficial. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things like that that we're going down. And it's uh, interesting. Have you seen the new social platform Be Real? Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't quite know yet. Again, yeah, I agree. I'm, 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 I'm just. I see so many things. I need to talk to people and find yeah. out from the people that really, really But it's know. great for Gen Z, yeah, going, going yeah, back to your yeah. plan. Well, the Gen Z, you know, you look at some of the things that are going on with them is um, they've got no, um, how can I put it? Um, they don't judge. Mm -hmm. You know, I think... They're, they're, they're a lot, lot more accepting. They're a lot more accepting of yeah. what someone's done or, you know, et cetera. And, and that's really important. And I've done quite a few studies on their behavior for with Gymshark when yeah, we yeah. did the office. Yeah. So I was doing it from the workplace point of view, what they wanted. So I engaged with a few agencies and sure. I'm still linked with them now. So I want to do more work with them over time. So we probably won't massively engage this year, but mm -hmm. again, in 2023, this year is about getting these collections out, yeah. getting ourselves 
known on the market so we've got more to sell yeah and then basically start to really develop the brand in terms of where we want it to go interesting because you've, you've rebranded recently anyway from hera yeah. um clothing sorry hera london to hera clothing yeah why was that was that for scalability purposes yeah it's a, it's just a it's a bigger i mean you know linking it to london there's a lot of people do that you know yeah and, and i don't quite it's know not even from london why yeah we're not from there, in it's like yeah i just wonder why so again for us it was about clothing and what <laughs> could we be do different and you know that was just a bigger it sounded like it was a bigger brand and it was more encompassing for us rather than you know hera london didn't really sell you what it did mm-hmm. um so for us clothing actually works actually we are a clothing company mm-hmm. you know footwear will come in and, and accessories but yeah generally it's clothing but it's about building that community in a bigger brand yeah there was a bigger story around it you know just selling clothes is not enough anymore no you know, and bringing in the, you know, the sustainability will come in, all that will happen. Mm-hmm. All the things we want to happen will happen and they'll take a little bit of time, but we're, we're definitely on the journey. And you're still hustling. You're still kind of, you know, getting involved in the business more so than maybe you should be. Yeah. I mean, I, the, most of the things I'll do, I'll, I'll be doing will be one-offs. Like I'm doing the office. Mm-hmm. I'll go in and we've, you know, just been this morning looking at the managed accounts and the, the, the budgets and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm just helping Holly understand some of the things and how I might do it. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to leave her to it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go back to her in a couple of months and we'll talk it through. I'm, I'm very hands-off. I have mm-hmm. a lot of trust. Yeah. You know, I'm not an interferer. I don't, I don't want to interfere with it. I ask loads of questions. Yeah, rightly so. Uh, and I know when my daughters don't answer me, I know that what it means is... That's it must be so much question, easier, Paul. It must be so much easier, Paul, to trust your family than it is to trust three people that you've patched in in, this, in the same roles that your, your daughters yeah, are doing. It, it is, because you've known them all your life. The blood. You know, exactly. Definitely, it, it is. But they've got to be capable. Sure. You know, and if I didn't think they're capable, I've told them if they're not capable... Would you get rid of them? I've, I, got, I sat my brother once. Okay, but would you take your daughters? I'd have to. We'd have would to it, do it's easier to get rid of your brother or we'd, sister. Yeah, I don't know. It might be a hard one, but we'd have to have a chat. We'd have wow. to definitely, yeah. Because again, if the brand's going to go where they want it to, there might come a point when they have to want, want to go aside and let someone else yeah. do it better than them. I'm not sure. But what again, what record have they got though? Um, I definitely know. Well, they work really, really hard. Good. They've always worked, and you know they've had a, you know, a private school background, and you know. Some people haven't with that background. Mm-hmm. So they've always worked really hard um, and got stuck in. Mm-hmm. Um, Holly worked at My Protein. She worked at Gymshark. Okay. okay. Um, she worked at My Protein as well. He worked at My Protein, yeah. Flannels. Okay. Um, and then, where was the last one? She worked at, uh, the last time she was just working for Halfords. Right. Okay. Yeah. Fine. So she's, you know, she's done a few jobs on the buying side, mm-hmm. but has got more knowledge than just what she was doing. She she needed to do more. But this is the first time she's been actually involved yeah. in something that's she's given charge. She's got skin in yeah. the game to a certain yeah. extent. But when she was at My Protein, you know, she was she was dealing with the top people there. Yeah. She was trusted. She helped build the um, sportswear part of it. You know, the fitness brand. Yeah. yeah. Uh, clothing. Oh, she's developed that. Yeah, she really helped do that, yeah. From and like ha- low millions to 30 million or something okay. like that. Well, that's a good return. That's yeah. good growth. And how important then, Paul, is it for you to have something you can leave behind to your daughters, to your family? Uh, everything I'm doing now. I've got several things that I do. Um, I've invested in. So I've got some forest forestry. Oh, I've got wow. a forest in Where's Scotland. That? I've got one in Scotland, 200 acres in Scotland. So I've got 200 acres in Warwickshire. What's the what's the point of that? Just legacy. That's it. So yeah, for me it's legacy. That's... So for me it's about yes. if we want to look at you know a sustainability and carbon, I can do it for my own forests rather Lovely. than have to buy someone in. Yeah. Um, it's legacy. You know, I'll never want to sell it. 
know, the idea is just Why would you? leave it there. They won't make any more land. Um, you know, I've got my farm at home, which is not a working farm, but again, another 200 acres. Seems like everyone from Gymshark bought farms. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot of passage. Yeah. <laughs> ben, ben bought, I gave Ben the details of the one he's bought, actually. Oh, really? But yeah, it's, it's, it's that legacy of thinking, yeah. okay, fine, that's what's there. And, and the businesses are the same. Mm-hmm. You know, the investments I've made in, in other businesses are more long term. Um, you know, I've got several, I've got Energy, um, mm-hmm. I've got Arxall, Arx Alliance, which is cyber yep. security. Yeah. Um, yeah, so for me, the long term, it's it's about legacy and here is that as well. Yeah. Hopefully this becomes a, a big business that the girls m- make into mm-hmm. the family business and becomes their family as well. Yeah, well, it's interesting, isn't it, how you've come from a family of, you know, entrepreneurs, for instance, and your dad left you a legacy, your dad made you some cash, that's great. Yeah. And now you're, you're returning that favour to your daughters, which must be incredible. And what do you hope that they'll go on to do when Paul is gone? I want you know? them to do the same. You know, yeah. family is really important. And for me, you know, drive good values to your children. Mm-hmm. With my children, Holly and George, have got good values. Yeah. You know, they don't expect. Um, they've worked hard. So I want them to do the same. You know, I've got a grandson, Leo. Okay. He's a little character already. <laughs> so, you know, Holly will drive the same values into him. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, hopefully he'll be as good a person as they are. And, yeah, it'll just carry on, you know. And mm-hmm. I think... Um, you can make different decisions when you know this is a long-term yes. thing rather than short-term. And, you know, this isn't something I want to be pumping money into hand over fist for many years. You know, I want it to be successful. I want it to stand on its own two feet. Mm-hmm. You know, that's for sure. And they know that. And they're not going to take it for granted. And for people that are starting out in business that haven't got anything or indeed are being given something, what's the one piece of advice that you'd give an individual that wants to scale a company? It's all about working hard. Yeah. You know, for me, it's it's working hard, have resilience, you know, and I think that's difficult in in, in today. I don't yeah. know that people have, you know, been lying under a truck that's filthy, dirty, that's, you know, yeah. got rats running around and, you know, been there in the cold and et cetera. Mm-hmm. So it's different today. Mm-hmm. But I think mental resilience is, is, is a big thing mm-hmm. at the moment. And you've just got to build that. Mm-hmm. So... Um, but for me, having the resilience is something because you're going to get knocked down. Yeah. You're going to fail so many times. 100%. Well, you know, 100%. You're going to fail so many times. And that's as simple as it is. And yeah. if you're just going to give up, then you're not built for business. Then go and get a job. How do and you that's mentally okay. cope? I mean, how do you mentally cope? When, when someone goes, no, 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 or you fail or you cock up or you make a big mistake, how do you get up in the morning and go, today's going to be all right? I know you said about moving the business on a percent every day. It's but... just another day, isn't it? It's, it's another day that you're up and it's different to yesterday. Have you ever wanted to give up? No. Never. No, you can't. I Never mean, in a million years. Uh, I've probably been, been on. I've probably been on the edge of sort of why. Mm-hmm. Why am I doing this? You know, sometimes. Yeah. But um, no, because you're so lucky. There's so many people who are so much worse off than you. Yeah. And if this is just you've lost a few pound or a few thousand pound or whatever it is, or a business has failed, mm-hmm. so what's the worst? Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not going to jump off a bridge. No, you know, it, it's that's just not what I'm going to do. I'm going to get back up again. Yeah, and show myself i'm not too worried about what other people think i just want to show myself that i can do it yeah and um yourself is so important and the old cliche of be the better self or better every day yeah yeah, yeah. it is a cliche but it's true it is you know that's what you should be striving for just to be better a better self and and if we wanted to come on that journey with Hera, for instance, the listeners, me, the guys in the studio want to, you know, join Holly and join yourself on the growth of Hera. where can we join you and buy the product? How do we get involved? 
Yeah, obviously we're online yeah. fully. I mean, it's um, just look, I mean, Herod Clothing comes straight up. That's the only place we're going to be. Um, never going to open up in stores? Oh, I'd say never. You know, we said that at Gymshark. Or and, even supply you know. stores? Um, there's a few ideas that are a little bit different mm -hmm. that I want to explore. You know, um, I like that the mixture of used and yeah. and and new and, you know, different places. And again, I think sometimes, you know, I'll use a pop-up as they used to use it. There's, yeah, there's yeah, different yeah. things like that happening at the moment. Yeah. Um, you know, for me to be in Selfridges, I'm not really bothered. No. You know, it could happen. It may happen for a reason, but it'll have to be for a reason, not just for ego. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if there's a, a, a financial reason or a strategic reason, then we'll look at it. But now all online and, and that's where we'll stay. Perfect. Well, we wish yeah. you the best luck. And social, social, obviously. Socially, maybe Twitter, maybe Twitter and TikTok. Yeah, be real. Who knows? But no, honestly, Paul, love it. Love the brand. Think you've got a bit of a steal there, quite frankly. And um, look forward to seeing it grow over the next couple of years. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, why not listen to a few more and click subscribe? This podcast was produced by Pinpoint Media, and I'm Oliver Bruce. I hope we can speak again soon. Take care.